Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Good morning. It's Monday, November 22nd, and this is Blake Wilson, Lifeline's Vice President of Operations. Today we have the opportunity to continue our study in the book of Romans, and and we're going to be in chapter 11 today. But I think as we jump in, it's important to have a little context and look back at to how we wrapped up Romans chapter 10 last week so we understand what we're reading in Romans 11. So as we wrapped up 10, there's a verse. I want to start in verse number 11, and this, it says this. It says, For the Scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Verse 12 there says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Much of what well, all of what we're going to read today is going to be built around the gospel coming to the Gentiles, the rejection of the Jews, the children of Israel not believing, not accepting Jesus as the Messiah, and ultimately salvation coming to the Gentile. There's a few references in the latter part of um, chapter 10, and one of those is in verse 19, and the second of, of those is in 20. It says this, says, I will make you jealous for those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. So Moses is stating here, and he is prophesying about what, what we are seeing happen in um, the book of Romans, in the, in the New Testament, the, the building of the Gentile church. He says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. Moses is, is saying those who are not a nation are the are the Gentiles. You will become jealous. I will make you angry, you children of Israel, because I am taking this my salvation to the Gentiles. He, he continues in verse number 20, and this is a prophecy from Isaiah. So the first was Moses. This is found in Romans 10, 20. This is a prophecy from Isaiah, and it says this. Isaiah is so bold to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me, I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. So he he is he's he's saying I am I have I've been found by those who are not um my, my called those are those are my original remnant. He's like this isn't them. I've been found by those who were not looking for me, and I've shown myself to them even though they weren't weren't asking and necessarily looking. I have extended my hope to them. Verse 20 says, 21 says this, but to Israel, he says, all day long, I've held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. All day long, I've held out my hands to a disobedient and a contrary people. He is, he is saying like, I've tried and tried and tried and I've extended my hand to help them, but they continue to be disobedient. They continue to not listening, to not listen. So in a sense, the, the, there's been this shift because the children of Israel have abandoned, have, have, have abandoned Christ, have not accepted him, have, have turned the other direction. That salvation is now coming to the Gentiles. 
Um, so you've seen you've seen this shift, and I think it's important for us to kind of set the tone as we jump into chapter eleven. Is the the hardness that's come across the children of Israel? So, picking up in verse number, uh, I'm sorry, chapter eleven, um, you see the the remnant of Israel. You know, and, and I think as we as we jump in. Be thinking about um, that idea of a remnant. What is a remnant? It's a very small piece of something. You know, I can remember my grandparents and my grandmothers um, sewing quilts and making quilts out of remnants of fabric. You know, it was just a very small sliver of fabric that they would weave together to make something large, make something beautiful. Um, we are looking at the remnant of Israel, a small portion of Israel is what Paul is writing to the church of Rome and reminding them about. And he says this, he asks a lot of questions in these first few verses, but this is what he says. I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. All right, so he asks a question and then he answers it. By no means. So has he rejected you? No, not at all. He says, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. So he's saying, no, he hasn't rejected rejected you because I am an, am a Jew. I am an, an Israelite speaking the truth. I am the one sharing the hope with you. Verse 2 says this, God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah and how he appeals against Israel? So he goes back again to the Old Testament. And he says, Remember, remember what happened when Elijah went before the Lord. And this is, these are the words of Elijah. It says this, Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars and I alone am left and they seek my life. So he's saying, he's saying, Lord, they've, these, these heathens, right? These, these so-called children, like they've killed prophets. They've knocked over your altars I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me? But listen what God says in verse 4. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed a knee to Baal. So he reminds Elijah. Not every, not everybody's, um, not everybody has, has done this. He says not everybody has gone astray. There is a small remnant, and for this one, what he's referring to in the Old Testament is 7,000. So he said, I've kept for myself 7,000 men. All right. So fast forward now to the church at Rome in this letter. Verse number five says this. So, so two, so also at the present time, there's a remnant chosen by grace. So he says, just as if there, just as, you know, just as what we read and what we saw happen um, in the days of Elijah. There was a remnant. There also now is a remnant. So he's saying, "We're not. I'm not going to give up on, on the children of Israel. He said they were chosen by grace, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Chosen by grace. Praise be to the Lord that it is because of his grace that we have salvation, that we have hope. In him. It is because of his grace. It is not because of works. There's nothing we could do to deserve this, but it is because of Christ that we have this hope. So if you um, 
look through the scriptures, there's a lot of different illustrations to me that kind of can can uh, maybe remind you of what we've read in these first six verses of just, you know, e- even even though um, sometimes we want to give up and move on, God is God is not done. He's not finished. You know, I, re- I remember in the looking back into the Gospels, the parable of the lost sheep and how the left that he left the 99 to go find the one you know the one was so important the remnant was so important you know the story of the prodigal the prodigal son it's not um you know what was the what was the father's uh posture when the prodigal son came home right he ran to meet him he was lost he had been astray and he had been found. He came home and he, the father met him and kissed him and adorned him with jewelry and threw a party um, to welcome him home. It is because of God's grace that he perseveres. And I think that is the model that we have to utilize as well. We cannot give up on those who the Lord has called. Those who, who are in our circles, those friends and families who are lost. Let us not get distraught. Let us not give up and let us persevere. Romans eleven seven says this as we continue in our study. It says, what then? Again, there's another question. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened, as it is written. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear, down to this very day. Let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. So you see this again, these two Old Testament quotes of just the blindness. Their eyes wouldn't see, their ears won't hear um, to this very day. This this wall that has been shift that has been put up and saying they are not willing to accept Jesus as the Messiah. It says their their tables will become a snare, their stumbling blocks. There will be stumbling blocks before them, their eyes will be darkened. All of these things that um, are preventing these children of Israel from accepting and understanding who he was, this blindness, this stupor that they are all, all in. But yet, if you read the Gospels, I love this picture of, of Jesus entering the city of Jerusalem. And um, Luke nineteen forty one, it says this, and it just it's the compassion of our Savior. Luke 19, 41, as he approached Jerusalem and he saw the city, he wept over it. So just this visual of him walking from the outskirts, seeing the city off in the distance, and he just begins to weep. And he says, if you even, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace. If you had just known like you can hear just the sorrow. If you, even you had on this day, had just known what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and circle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground and your children within the walls. And they will not leave one stone on the other because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. He's just broken because he knows the hardness of their hearts, that their eyes have been blinded, that they're unwilling to turn and to accept him as Savior. Because it is the Lord's desire 
for us to turn and to repent and to come to him. If he only knew, and I, th- I think we have to remember the deep sorrow um, that our rejection of him brings him. It's his desire that we come to repentance and hope and trust in who he is. The second part of this passage is really focusing more in on, on the Gentiles being grafted in. So you, the first part, you see the Jews' rejection. And the second part, you see the Gentiles being grafted in or brought into the family of Christ. And this is what it says. Again, another question in verse 11. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Like another another way to say that is, is did they did they stumble beyond recovery? Have they have they sinned and fallen away like they can't come back? Is it beyond recovery? Well, by no means. Rather, through their trespasses, salvation has come to the Gentiles, so as to make the make Israel jealous. So they were they were disobedient. So God made salvation available to these Gentiles. All right. So as to make the Israelites jealous. Verse 12 says this, Now, if their trespasses means riches to the world, and if their failure means riches to the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? So he begins to say, what a beautiful picture. They rejected, they rejected me, and now the Gentiles are hearing the hope of Christ. But how much sweeter is it going to be when we are all in this together, when they are grafted back in, when they are fully included, when they fully accept me, that we're going to have Jew and Gentile together. And that's just a beautiful picture of the Lord's, of what heaven's going to be like, of every tribe and nation and tongue worshiping our heavenly Father. And we are all united under Him. So He's reminding them, it's it, the, these they have fallen away, but let's let's not give up. How much more will their full inclusion be? Verse 13 says this, Now I am speaking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch as when I am, am, I, I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous. So he's saying, I'm a, I'm a Jew, but I'm speaking the truth and the hope of the gospel to you. And thus I may save some of them. Verse 15, for if their rejection means a reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? What's well, a beautiful, eloquent verse. Verse 15, for if their rejection means a reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? Because we are reconciled to Christ. We are brought to him when we turn away from our sin and our full acceptance in him. And and Paul is just reminding the church of Rome in this letter, the beautiful picture of our reconciliation to him. Verse 16 says, In if the dough offers offered as first fruits is holy, so it is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Guys, it is our tie back to the root, back to Jesus. That is the only hope that we have. That is where we find our nourishment. That is where we find our being and our and, and our um, and our calling. It is through Him. We are tied to the root. So verse 17 says this, but if some of the branches were broken off and you 
Although our wild olive shoot were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. So this beautiful picture of being grafted in. I love gardening and I love um, working outside. I've tried to graft some stuff in to no avail. Um, but what a what a beautiful picture in the description, really, of the Gentiles of this wild olive shoot. But now you're being grafted into this root, this nourishing root of this olive tree. You know, and and let's let's look in the mirror at ourselves. Um, it is because of this that the Lord has given us hope. Us us Gentiles, us wild olive shoots, have been. Um, grafted into the family of God. But a reminder in verse 18, he says, do not be arrogant toward the branches. Because if you are, remember, it is not you who supports the root, but the root that supports you. It's not us. Let's remember that our hope and our trust comes through him. He is the one providing nourishment. We are grafted in and tied to the root. And let us not become arrogant toward other branches. Let us not look at our brothers and sisters who have fallen and just move on and say, serves him right or told you so. And in our, in our childish and sinful ways, move on and turn a blind eye to our brothers and sisters who have fallen away. Let us not become arrogant. Look at this warning. Do not become arrogant. Remember that we are sinners. Remember that we are broken. Remember that, that we were those people and our hope and redemption is only through him. Verse 19 through 23 says this. As we wrap up, then you will say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true, but they were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith and do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then, note then the kindness and the severity of God, the severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you. Provide, provided you continue in his kindness Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, they will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. Our Heavenly Father has a level of, of love and compassion, but he also has a level of severity and justice. And what 22 is saying, like, let's find this balance. Let's look at the Lord's kindness and goodness and his severity toward those fallen. But the beautiful picture at the end of for God has the power to graft them in again in verse 23. We all have people in our lives who have, who have fallen, um, who have rejected. We maybe have tried to be intentional in sharing the hope of Jesus and, and, and sharing the gospel message with them, but they haven't accepted. Lord, guys, let us not, um, let's, let us not give up on that remnant. Let us not grow weary because God has the power to heal. God has the power to graft them in. Let us remember our brokenness and our sin and that we have been cultivated and that our, our substance um, and redemption is coming from being tied to that root. So let us not become arrogant, but let us be intentional in sharing the gospel with those around us, those that may have fallen away um, and those who need to grow and to understand who he is. So today um, we're going to wrap up our time praying for the country of Uganda. Um, so let's, let's pray together. 
Dear Lord, we are just so grateful for your word. We're thankful for Romans 11 and the goodness and, and um, Lord, just the application that we can find in, in those passages. Lord, help us to stay focused and grounded in who you are. Help us to not become arrogant, but Lord, be intentional in, in sharing the hope with those who are lost. Lord, help us to evaluate our own lives um, and those in our circle who don't know you. But God, may we be intentional in sharing the hope of who you are. God, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Uganda. We pray for the church there. Lord, specifically for our partners there in Busekin, King Jesus Church. Lord, what a what a amazing opportunity you have given us to partner um, with like-minded believers. Lord, just as, as, as we read today, the diversity um, of the tree of life and the tree that you have created and grafted us into, Lord, you've grafted brothers and sisters from Uganda into this tree. And um, Lord, we have learned so much from them. So God, we pray for the church. We pray for Pastor Raphael and for our brothers and sisters worshiping there at King Jesus Church. God, use that church as they um, serve their community, and may they see more disciples come to know you. God, we pray for the Global Orphan Care Network and for um, our partners there. We pray for Ernest and the farm that he's working on. Lord, may this be a productive farm. We pray for the harvest, and we pray for the opportunity just to use that to equip and train pastors as they disciple their communities. Lord, we pray um, for Pastor Raphael's wife, Alan, Lord, just for protection and rest as they minister there together. The wife of a pastor never stops. The life of a pastor's wife never stops, God. And we just pray for endurance for her as she leads and works with the children there at the school for the blind and for the deaf. We pray for Mutebi. Um, we pray for his mother as Pastor Allen have had some encouraging conversations. Lord, may we see her um, in, in her um, darkness and Lord, just her rejection of who you are come to know you as Savior, Lord, we we know that you are the God of all things, and Lord, you can turn um, you can turn her life towards you. So, God, I pray for Alan as she disciples and ministers to um, young Mutebi's mom. Lord, we also pray and are grateful for um, the Mobs family and for the furlough and the opportunity that they're back uh, back in the states. And Lord, that that adoption is finalized, and God, just the miracles that you are working there. Lord, you have done so many great things. And to you, we offer our praise. Lord, we're grateful for the the school there, the opportunity to reach out to older kids. And Lord, just all the things that you are doing in that community. So God, we, we start our week off just thanking you and praising you for who you are. Lord, that you are a holy God. You're a good, good father. And Lord, we are thankful that we can find our rest in you. Lord, be with us now as we serve you. And these things we ask in your name. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.